welcome back to The Mountains and the Sea, where we find the highs and lows of each and every Prince album every other week. I'm Christy. And this is Josh. And we're so glad that you're back with us today. Today, we're continuing our 2001 time frame coverage with One Night Alone, Solo Piano and Voice. Or as it's titled, anyway. That's what they call it. There's, there's not just piano and a voice. There's a little more to it than that. It's a title, not a promise. (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) (laughs) This album was released exclusively through the NPG Music Club at first. We remember it very well. Oh, yes, because we were like, finally, we're getting something other than the downloads. (laughs) Yeah. So that was back on May 14th, 2002 is when mailings went out or were started to receive by MPG Music Club members at the time. Proud to say we were one of them. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mailed worldwide. Yes. So we've got it. Inexplicably, it was also included when... The One Night Alone live three CD set was sent to NPG Music Club members on November 24th of the same year. So Mm -hmm. here we are, like almost six months later to the day, you get this three CD live box set, Prince's first live album of his career. And lo and behold, One Night Alone solo piano and voice (laughs) by Prince was sealed inside also again. Yeah, so, they they probably weird. printed a sure. a level to make it affordable. They were like, "Well, it's only going to cost us like eighteen dollars more to print another hundred thousand of these. Let's just do it." Yeah, yeah. So while the original CD is a little bit rare, you see it listed on eBay to this day for anywhere between fifty and a hundred dollars. Nearly every MPG Music Club member from 2002 has two copies, including us. (laughs) So we left one unsealed Mm -hmm. uh, to take it out and basically rip it and listen to it. And then we have another copy that is sealed to this day. Mm -hmm. Why not? Yeah, I was going through looking for it. And I was like, well, here's the sealed one. I know we have another one. Oh, good. I'm glad you didn't open the first one you found. (laughs) No. All right. I knew better than that. So, yeah, labeled... Solo, piano, and voice. I put a bracket in there and with the word sometimes. Because <laughs> there are drums, bass, acoustic guitar, synth pads, Prince's doves, and well more that falls outside of the solo, piano, and voice category. But I will concede that it's primarily a piano <laughs> album. Primarily. Well, and the doves get their own credits. Yes, they do. Ambient singing, the doves, divinity, and majesty right there. On the inside, I would say that packaging is actually quite nice for something that was included with a membership. It was. Maybe it, it was. was the, it was one of the benefits of membership was it to was get like some, the reason you joined, right? But it was, it was a limited run. But it's like a digipack, but all heavy cardstock, just folded upon itself. Mm-hmm. It's fairly modern. Enviro friendly packaging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lyrics are included, which yeah. is nice. Yeah. And not always a given. Right. And the artwork is pretty cool. The photography, which was done by Steve Park, yep. is primarily of the Schimmel Pegasus piano. Right. The that one that's Prince's. on display at Paisley Park. Mm-hmm. That's got his little love symbol on the Yeah, it's a the, hood the ornament. Closure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a hood ornament. It is a hood ornament. And it's got it from all different kinds of directions. And I think it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Very um, well done. There's a 
nest with blue robin's eggs on the front. It's like this overlaid image of piano keys and uh, some flowers, the love symbol. Yeah, the love symbol's like... In the flowers. In the flowers. Part of the flowers. Yeah. Like sunflowers. Right. Pretty. And a weird, uh, but the pretty. nest with the blue robin's eggs. Maybe it's a representation of spring or... Yeah, well, it's renewal of some kind, mm-hmm. which is... Fitting, considering you and I are sitting here recording this on Easter. Yes, we are. But the both the love symbol and the flowers are coming out of an egg. Yeah, you're right. The yeah, broken kinda, bottom half of an mm-hmm. egg. Yep. Yeah, so like these hatched. It's a renewal. It's Prince's return, the, uh, the, even though he's already had a, a return right. with the Rainbow Children. Yeah. So it was released on May 14th, 2002 to MPG Music Club members, but did you notice the copyright date on it is 2001? I did. I'm not exactly sure why. Well, according to Prince Vault, all of these songs were believed to be recorded during the spring of 2001 during the remastering or the mastering of the Rainbow Children, which I don't know that there's any more Prince statement you could make in the world than I'm in the middle of mastering (laughs) a pretty complex recording of an album and while we're doing that let's just record a piano album while Mm -hmm. we're at it during this downtime i need something to do while everybody else is busy with other things prince was involved with mastering but he's not the one mastering it right he's got people doing it i'm sure they're running it by him and he's like yep 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 nope Mm -hmm. yeah change this i want this different yeah yeah and oh uh, i'm gonna go sit at my piano a while I would say overall it looks great. The only issue that I have, and I don't know if this is Jeremy Gavin's fault or Prince's fault, is the the title font. Yeah, this weirdly thick, thin, gothic kind of typeface. Which would be fine. Yeah, I mean, I don't particularly care for it, but it would be fine if it were larger. Yeah. But it's fairly small and reversed. Yeah, especially it, on the inside where it quotes the lyrics of One Night Alone. Yeah, untarnished memory in a pale blue spotlight. Scream if you are ready for One Night Alone with me. Yes, but it's, it's a tough read. It's a tough read, mm-hmm. and I can only read it so well because I both listen to the music and we've read that like three times already today. Right, and yeah. we had our 11-year-old <laughs> read it and tell us if it was difficult or not to read. And she said it was difficult to read. Yes. The judge has spoken. Yeah. (laughs) 11-year-old, the authority on what's difficult to read and not. Yeah. It's interesting that he credits majesty and divinity with ambient singing. I never hear them singing. I hear them flapping around in a cage, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but I don't hear, you know, doves cooing anywhere during this. Oh, I thought they were in Arboretum. I thought that was like a a changed... We'll get there. Okay. So it's Prince's 25th studio album. Smokes. 10 tracks with Prince playing all the instruments except for, like you said earlier, John Blackwell getting credit uh, on drums for Here on Earth and A Case of You and uh, Majesty and Divinity getting credit. What was a little disappointing to me remembering when this album album originally came out was that half of it had already been released as MP3 tracks in the club Mm -hmm. during 2001, and those being uh, One Night Alone, You're Gonna See Me, Here on Earth, A Case of You, and Pearls Before the Swine. So five of the songs from this album were sent to club members no fewer than three different times in the span of about a year in one form or another. 
leaving a lot of fans wondering, like, why do I need multiple copies of these? And could other songs have been released to them instead, more importantly? But I could see the argument of maybe these first five songs were to be viewed as, like, singles from the album or things he was working on, he was excited about, and then they came together to form an album. But thankfully today, well, in 2015, the album became available on Tidal for streaming and for purchase. And that was the first time since its release 13 years earlier that the album had been available in the retail market. Mm -hmm. And thankfully now today it's available for streaming on multiple other platforms too. So this is not a very long album, especially by Prince standards. Yeah. It was his shortest. 35 minutes. Yeah, 35 minutes and more than a minute of it is complete silence Mm -hmm. at the end. So the only shorter studio album is Dirty Mind that had eight songs and 31 minutes. So amazingly, this album is about 10% longer than Dirty Mind, (laughs) if you do the math. Wow. So are we ready for this completely successful and extremely interesting new segment that we introduced uh, during our podcast of the rainbow children called the word yeah josh Josh. yeah so here are four words that i signed to this album one word only four different times i've got haunting pretty quiet and mislabeled Mm. (laughs) (laughs) not all piano and voice (laughs) so in our last episode when we covered the rainbow children and we noted that how it'll twice be associated with probably probably the biggest national emergencies that we've witnessed in our lifetime, those being September 11th and the COVID-19 pandemic that's currently going on in the United States. This album, One Night Alone, solo, piano, and voice, listening to it all the way through for a number of times for the first time in quite a while for me, it seems like the kind of thing that Prince might have recorded in a period of shelter in place like we're in right now. Yeah. And that made it even more relevant sounding to me. It doesn't sound dated at all because Mm -mm. there's not much in it, you know, aside from a few additional instruments here and there on different tracks. So, you know, someone sitting at a piano and singing is pretty timeless, I thought, but um, he could have done this album alone or with minimal staff and that's ex- exactly basically what he did yeah. for this recording so i just thought that was interesting that we're you know some <laughs> almost 20 years removed from the release of this and yet it seems like it could be recorded specifically for the time that we're in right now well this definitely seems like the kind of thing that if you could say well i think prince would be doing this during this unprecedented time in our nation in our world because this is a worldwide thing right you know this is the kind of thing that i would almost expect to hear from him his yes i just recorded this it's short 35 minutes like a short of highly edited album yeah and put it out for release either free or to benefit a charity charity of some Mm -hmm. kind would seem like the thing that he would be doing right now yep it's kind of interesting. It is. It felt appropriate to be doing this at this time. I mean, I wish that it was not. I wish I could say this sounds like nothing like what we need or what we <laughs> want or what he would have done right. during this time because it's so terrible. Uh, but the fact of the matter is we're in this time period and this is where we landed. It's interesting. Yeah. What do you think Prince would have been doing right now? What might you like to see the estate do as far as... This time period, I mean, obviously we can't do tours of Paisley Park and they have done some videos and things. So tell us what you think or what you'd like to see. You can find us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, the Mountains and the Sea, a Prince podcast. You can find us on Twitter at TMATS, T-M-A-T-S podcast, 
or you can send us an email, teamoutspodcast at gmail.com. I thought you were asking me the question, not the listener the question. <laughs> so I'm sorry but, about but that. But you're free to answer. <laughs> no, I'm going to put it on Facebook. <laughs> that is the directive. <laughs> Shall we talk about the music? Are we ready for that? Um, yes. Or, okay. <laughs> I want to make sure you're ready. Yeah, oh, I'm ready. Okay. This was the inspiration for Prince's 2002 tour. Either I don't know that this song, One Night Alone, was the inspiration for the title of the tour, or if the tour, he decided this is what he wanted to call the tour, mm-hmm. and then wrote a song about it. Either way. It fits. It has an ellipse at the end, too, as if there's more to come. One Night Alone. Dot, dot, dot. It's like he tweeted too long of a tweet, but there was no follow-up tweet. At least he only used three dots, not like That's true. five or six. Seven of them. Yeah. Yeah. The proper ellipse. Yeah. So this does kick off with One Night Alone with Prince on all vocals and instruments, which are primarily just a piano. There's some pads and synths and other things going on in the song, but primarily, yeah, I'd agree. Solo piano and voice by Prince. So far, so good. It has this... Uh, reverse echo opening on the song like they took his voice and ran it backwards to make a reverse ramp echo yeah it's like it's it's pulling him in yes like the echo starts and then he sings yes and the same effect on the piano at the very very beginning of the song that almost sounds like like an accident's about to happen or something. Oh, oh. That's what I keep. Did Every time I hear it, I'm like, unsettling? I'm like, oh, it's like this fortuitous, you probably should have looked both ways twice before you cross the street kind of sound. Is that where haunting starts on this one? Maybe so. Yeah. Maybe so. Yeah. I thought it was really funny that some of the first lyrics... Mm-hmm. Is undulating acrobat. The undulating acrobat ready to do your bidding says. Which I'm like, we just watched him in a 1982 show from the 1999 Super Deluxe set mm-hmm. where he's swinging on a fireman's pole both down a level and also, well, during International Lover. Right before he gets on the bed, he's doing this, like, swinging back and forth. And I'm like, there he was. He's been an undulating acrobat his entire life. He has, or at least from 1982 (laughs) through 2002. Mm -hmm. 20 years of acrobatting. (laughs) (laughs) Backing up to the, the opening of the song... The piano opening from like 29 seconds to 38 seconds of Mm -hmm. One Night Alone. Listen to that. And then listen to Into the Light from Chaos and Disorder, the first seven seconds of it, and tell me if they don't sound really, really similar. One Night Alone is slower, Into the Light a little faster, but those two piano intros are very, very similar. You know, like you said, here we are recording on Easter. I'm like, within the first 30 seconds, there's a little Easter egg there. (laughs) An Easter egg, or I guess it could be a coincidence, but I think Prince knows his own music pretty well to know what sounds similar. 
So it's hard to argue. Yeah. So don't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I won't. I agree. I You played it for me, and that's not a connection I would have made on my own, but right. once you pointed it out, Easy definitely. to agree. Oh, absolutely. So this undulating acrobat is ready to do your bidding, mm-hmm. but we don't even know her name, <laughs> right? Or their name. He doesn't specify. He or she. He or she. Because it's true. I it's had not a thought of that. Sexual connotation, but not an actual sexual meaning. He's giving Very it true. the connotation, but really it's about being in concert. Yes. But also doing a fitting. He's <laughs> like this Geppetto kind of thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, I kind of took that as uh, really metaphorical oh, yeah. as let me let me determine what it is that you really want to hear. Right. You may think that you're here to hear Purple Rain and yeah. um, Little Red Corvette and Boys and Girls, all my hits, or, you know, Diamonds and Pearls, whatever. You think you're here to listen to all that, but I can determine what you need to wear. Yep. I to think this exactly particular right. show. I think yeah. you're exactly right. But it is very sexual intentionally, I think. Yeah. Even what's your name? I'll let it sweeten my tongue just once and never speak it again. Uh-huh. Since this is our little secret. I'll let it sweeten my tongue just once and never speak it again. Since this is our little secret. Yeah, and these it's were like smaller shows. private kind of concert and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Only had the early entry for club members to get in and hear the sound checks. Right. And they were, I think, the venue we were in, which was, of course, large, but by print standards, fairly small, 3,000-ish mm-hmm. people when we saw him in Houston. Yes. Yeah. During this concert. Yes. Yeah. So at uh, like two minutes and nine seconds, there's some ghostly synths and pads going on. This is our little secret. And then a great piano solo or a piano run from two minutes, 11 seconds to two minutes and 30 seconds Mm -hmm. that I think are really great. Yeah, I agree. I think all throughout this, too, you can hear piano pedals kind of making the beat, which you can do on the 1983 piano and microphone release also. Yeah, I agree. I made a note of that as well, that there's he's using his piano as a percussion instrument as well. I mean, it is a percussion instrument technically Uh because they are striking the strings, but... It, he's using it also as a makeshift drum, mm-hmm. which is interesting and always appreciated. And I don't know how, I think it's intentional, but also I could see him just getting so into playing mm-hmm. that it kind of happens accidentally. Right. He yeah. knows what he's doing, but it's just, there's no other way for him to play than that way. Right. Well, and, you know, he could play it differently and not do those things, but he's intentionally including those things, not editing them out in posts. Yeah, there's a very live feeling to it. It's a studio album, but it does have a very live performance feel to it. Yes. Um, At the very end of the song, when he repeats the first verse into... The last verse, when he sings, untarnished memory in a pale blue spotlight, let me hear you scream if you're ready for one night alone with me. 
He's got a great falsetto voice at the end when he sings with me and this controlled vocalization at the end that struck me as some of his best vocals. Let me hear you scream. a lot of discussion of well when did in <laughs> prince's career hit his peak as a singer a lot of people say it was on the emancipation album in 1996 i think you can listen to parts of this album and hear some vocal highlights that would make the top 10 list right of prince That's vocals fair i also kept thinking that you know there's a, this mysterious not necessarily a woman but a mysterious being there to do his bidding which is kind of him there to play for you right but because he frames it as this um external figure who wants to do his bidding it's a little like uptown storytelling oh yeah to me it made me think of uptown for some reason huh that's i hadn't made that connection but yes Mm -hmm. that's super fair and then at the very end of the song there's this metal fluttering sound that appears multiple times through the album maybe serves as the way to tie all these songs together outside of the fact that they're all mainly piano performances with a few exceptions. But um, this is the first time that we hear this metal fluttering kind Mm -hmm. of sound that reappears throughout this 35 minute experience. Yeah. He didn't just take 35 minutes worth of songs and throw them together. This is a album. Yeah. Yeah. It is, for sure. It's a very thematic, cohesive thing. It just happens to not all be solo piano and voice. <laughs> yes. Okay. As you said, it's a description, not a not promise. A promise. <laughs> right. Then we get a song that we've actually talked about before. We talked about a later incarnation of You're Gonna See Me that ended, on, ended up on MPL Sound. Yes. This is the first. Yep. The original recording of it. Yeah. Incarnation of it. Yep. I just made a note that, yeah, it was re-recorded for inclusion on NPL Sound. And when we did our podcast on NPL Sound months and months and months, year plus ago, I don't even remember. I remember saying then, we'll get to the original one eventually. And uh-huh. today is the day. <laughs> Here Yay. we are. So we get piano and very dreamy synthesizers to kick off the song. Very, very pretty mm-hmm. it's real sweet it's it aching is. and mm-hmm. sweet yeah not sappy not no. cheesy but definitely very sweet mm-hmm. and there are some lines in this that are some of the sweetest lyrics i think that you'll hear from prince as a mm-hmm. musician yeah i still am tickled by the uh give me a page on my two-way <laughs> yes. so it makes a lot more sense in 2001 oh yeah <laughs> Which it even surprised me that surprises me that he would have one of those because he always claimed to not have a cell phone because someone around him would always have one. He didn't exactly wear outfits that had pockets, <laughs> yeah. you know, <laughs> not a lot of storage. So yeah. the thought of him with a clipped on pager seems a little strange too. Yeah. Or it could just be something that he kept on his recording console or on the piano Yeah. to check from time to time. Right. This was the first time in this song that I thought I could hear majesty and divinity with their, how is it described in the a- ambient singing? Ambient singing. Mm-hmm. Yes. So 
I would call it ambient fluttering. <laughs> right before he sings, give me a page of my two-way, when he's singing about the bed that they bought for two, what good is it if, I, if I'm not with you? Mm-hmm. That's where you can hear them fluttering in cages in the background. What good is it if I'm not with you? Which makes me wonder, did he move the bird's into the recording studio or was this done like in the atrium of Paisley Park where the piano was set up for recording and they were just nearby so you could hear them and he would let it be. I don't know. I I don't know either. My brain, I kind of thought he was there like in the atrium area. Me too. That's how I picture it. Yeah. But I don't know that that's correct. Me either. But in my head canon, that's what's happening. (laughs) All right. (laughs) When I think of Prince sitting at this beautiful, unusual piano right. that is the Pegasus mm-hmm. playing this, I imagine him in the middle of that particular room. Yeah, either there or the entrance to the soundstage area where mm. we saw the piano, mm-hmm. which is kind of an open space with uh, windows looking to the outside that mm-hmm. I could see maybe be a place that this was done. I don't know. If they were mastering... The Rainbow Children, I don't know that they would use the recording studios to do that. Would they be unavailable? I don't know. I don't know. I hadn't really thought that much about it. I just kind of pictured him sitting in the middle of this big open room. Yeah. Either way, it wasn't an accident that these birds could be heard. It, no. it was going to be known. No one looked like looked, looked at each other and went, oh, no, we can hear the birds. <laughs> yeah. It was okay. There's a little bit of this song, too, where you can hear piano pedals and percussion like at two minutes and ten seconds. Mm-hmm. Similar to how you could hear it on One Night Alone. That you don't ever cross my mind. Yeah, and uh, recently we had talked about how Prince had found... The had found talking on the phone with his beloved to be a poor substitute for actually being with them. And here he's so intent on spending time with this person, whether or not he can actually see them, he'll take whatever time he can get with them. Yeah. Which Which is pretty, it's sweet coming from someone whose schedule is quite full, I guess you mm -hmm. could say, right? Yes. And I, I think it's, a direct relationship to how infatuated he is with the lover he's with at that particular time is if he's willing to talk with them on the phone or not. Yep. You know, it's a, if that's all I can get though, I do have to say he's still putting the onus on her. Yeah. You call me. Yeah. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll get back with you. Not, not just you call me. It's you call me. It's you call me and leave a message and I'll get back with you right away. That's it's, true. It's, he's not a doctor. <laughs> That's true. He's <laughs> I not mean, a it's doctor. not like he's in the middle of but, surgery. Yeah. But you know, everyone's got their gift yes, and this I, is, this was his life. So well, and I I'm think not, there are moments like this where he's in his way saying, I'm open to you, but, you know, if you're not here, you know what I'm going to be doing. Right. Right. It's not a mystery. Yes. Like, but what does still... Prince do at his spare time? <laughs> he's learning to crochet. <laughs> He'll call you back. That's true. But it's 
it's just interesting that as sweet as all of this is, he's still putting it on her to call him. That is all true. Yeah. However, he's also busy recording songs like this yeah, I know, about that are really sweet. the relationship, right? And he's busy fashioning a rope long enough to lasso the moon, which is one of my <laughs> all-time favorite Prince lyrics. First of all, you can hear more doves between... Three minutes and 23 and three minutes and 28 seconds before he sings this line. You're the reason I took a rope and lassoed the moon to prove to you that when it comes to you, there's nothing I won't do. You're the reason I took a rope and lassoed the moon. So if he's not going to be the one calling you, you can probably forgive him because he's <laughs> writing a song like this with some of the prettiest lyrics about what he would, links he would go to make you happy. Yeah. And I, I really appreciated, you know, mm-hmm. that he's using these sun and moon references. He's yeah. lassoing the moon. He'd stare into the sun. Right. That his love for her is so great that it's huge huge it can't be described by anything here Mm -hmm. on earth which is very sweet it is especially wrapping up with it's not so great a leap since to all others i am blind Mm -hmm. so it's like he doesn't need his sight anyway he doesn't need his sight to do music he doesn't need his sight to see that this person is the one for him it's not so great a leap since to all others i am I thought was really probably one of the more underrated Prince songs of the last 20 years of his career. Well, and it's also a little dangerous. You can't danger. You can't be on the moon without protective gear because you can't breathe there. If you do stare at the sun, it will make you blind. And he Mm -hmm. recognizes the metaphorical danger that he's in by surrendering to his feelings for this person. Yeah. He's throwing caution to the wind, the solar wind. (laughs) (laughs) Those metal fluttering sounds that we heard at the end of one night alone, they appear again at two minutes and 58 seconds in the middle of the song. So there are these sound effects that kind of help tie all these songs together as well as, you know, of course, how they sound and the theme of all of them. But there are um, little hallmark instrumental effects that carry through this whole thing that are fun to go hunting for, Mm -hmm. which I tried to do. Okay, excellent. I appreciate it. Then we have Here on Earth. Speaking of lassoing the moon and staring at the sun, (laughs) we are here on Earth. (laughs) So this should not be confused with the song Somewhere Here on Earth. From the album Planet Earth in 2007. However, both songs start with some added vinyl record pop sounds. Oh, yes. Both of them do. I hadn't listened to this in so long when Here on Earth came on. I thought, what was wrong with my rip of this CD? (laughs) Uh I need to find it and redo it. But then I remembered, oh, it has these added sound effects at the beginning and the end that sound like a vinyl record. And then it struck me that the other song, 
with the words here on earth in the title have the same thing going on at the beginning of the song. Could be coincidence, but again, I think if you think of Prince, he knew his music better than anyone, so I don't think anyone is going to uncover things in his music that he wasn't aware was probably there already. Yeah. But I think... That was very, very interesting that both of those songs have that same it's sound kind effects. of an interesting little tie-in. Yeah. And okay, Planet Earth would have been a callback to this, which is relatively unknown. Yes. Unless you were in the music club. Yep. So yep. it's kind of a nice little... And it would have been a year before You're Gonna See Me was re-recorded and included, and included on MPL Sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just interesting. It is. A little... I wonder how much of that was for him and how much of that was, I think my fans, my diehard fans Mm -hmm. will really appreciate this. I think that the latter. Oh, really? I do. I think that he would do things like, well, if you're familiar with my music and you see where these things tie in and when they were recorded, which he kept a little secret anyway, right? that there are these things that connect them together that are really interesting to hear. Yeah. Um, so this is the first time that we've got piano and drums and cymbals going on mm-hmm. in this song. Yeah. Cold and rainy. October. Get a little more than just the piano. Yes. I love the intro to the song. His vocalization of whoa, 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 which I'm going to butcher and sound terrible. But when you put his part in, it'll sound awesome. <laughs> This is kind of a spoken it's kind of a story poetry song. thing yeah. yeah he's telling a story but it's he's really telling you about a dream he had yeah it is not made to make sense but it is a story that kind of just meanders a little bit mm-hmm. strangely enough hmm. i didn't really find it particularly meandering what I mean, I mean by be- meandering is, um, so we hear this story, right, of uh, this young woman basically running away from a lover, fearing for her life mm-hmm. in an alley on a rainy, cold October day morning. Right. Well, I was wondering if she was running out of fear from like an argument or fear of the depth of her feeling. I don't know. I mean, the lyrics are running for her very life. Up front. So unless yes, we're saying but like you could be running for your very life. This is not what I had planned. This is not what I had expected. I'm going to run away so that I can continue to live the life that I had planned upon. Hmm. But it's a little, I, I agree. I, I just, it was a thought. It was a yeah. thing to think about another level. I'm not saying that that's it. I'm just saying there's maybe an alternate Okay. Thought there. Well, that's certainly possible. I just really saw more of it as a she's trying to get away from you. You took yeah. You took uh, it as really literal. Yes, especially mm-hmm. saying she curses the day she met you. She wishes she was never born. She was you know truly fearful. It seems like, and then suddenly it takes a shift. Yeah. And say it's just a dream, and Prince in the background singing just a dream, just a dream, just a dream. Say it's just a dream, 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 just a dream. And then he wakes up, right, and uh-huh. realizes that 
he seems to be sleeping right next to her. Right. And She's so, not running away and afraid. Right. It yeah. was almost like his own nightmare of what could happen if a relationship with this person went wrong, that she would run and curse the day that she met him. But that's not happened yet. Right. And I wonder, is this about Manuela or Maite? Hard because, to know. Yeah, it is. I mean, of course, we'll, we'll not know for sure. But it just seemed almost like a little bit like he was chasing Maite and she's gone. And then he wakes up and Manuela's there. Yeah. And that's, you know, oh, well, I don't, I don't want to chase this one away like I did the last one. Yes. Almost a little bit of... Uh, regret uh, not regret or just ownership of his behavior never, never. <laughs> but here's my problem with this song oh as she holds up one finger <laughs> we're gonna hold her to one problem <laughs> we'll do a special episode and let you know what finger it is that she's holding up it's a pointy finger okay it's not a offensive finger okay i wonder if he is talking about this as a dream and how he was a poor partner. Okay. And his dream is very extreme. Uh huh. It's a very, she's running for her very life. She's doesn't matter that she's covered in her own vomit, that she's right. going to run away in the clothes that she's in a period. Mm-hmm. I look at this and I'm like, well, that's not all that abuse is. And I wonder if he looked at it and said, well, at least I wasn't that guy. Ooh. And I'm not that bad because I wasn't that guy. Not ignoring the misdeeds or his own part in the end of a relationship. Mm-hmm. I wasn't that guy. I didn't abuse her because I didn't hit her. Mm-hmm. When there are lots of ways to be in abusive relationships that don't involve anyone being hit. All true. So that was my, okay, so perhaps there's a little bit of ownership here, but also not really because. (laughs) It's just like perfect for this time period and (laughs) princess songwriting. I agree. Yes. I agree how that could all fit. But it was really pretty. I mean, there, he did some really like pretty vocalizing Mm -hmm. and he does this interesting cha-cha-cha at the beginning of the word trying. Yes. That was Mm -hmm. interesting, and it was pretty. Mm -hmm. Very good interpretation, I I think. I had some little, some, (laughs) it's almost like you like listen to this the first time and be like, oh, Prince is like maybe taking a little bit of ownership of his own poor behavior. And then it's like, "Mm, not really. Yeah, I wasn't that guy. I didn't hit her. I could see that being true. I could also see it being like the manifestation of all these feelings that might be, like you said, a little bit of ownership that uh, come to life in a dream in a way that's not quite reality. That's fair, too. And the way that it came to him was in the form, like he said, here's this woman that is fearing for her life and she's covered in her own sickness and Mm -hmm. he wakes up and it's just a dream, but... In his head, he knows there's some truth to it, too. Right. So it may be a mixture of all of those things Mm -hmm. going on here. But in the meantime, hey, we're here on Earth, and I don't feel so sad. Yeah, stay Stay with me. It's okay. Yeah. And then 
with some record popping again. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that's a great um, a great way to look at that song. And then we have uh, Prince's favorite cover song. Oh yes, from probably I think you could argue one of his favorite artists. Yes, or the his favorite artist. Period. Yeah. yeah. Other than himself, yes. A right. Case of You, a cover of Joni Mitchell. Yeah, which he had covered and sung live in rehearsals and in concerts forever. So finally we get a studio recording of Prince covering it himself. Yes. And man, he, he really loved Joni Mitchell. And in particular, this song. For he, sure. He only does the second verse and the chorus of her song. Yes. I'm sure, like you, I went back to listen to... <laughs> Joni Mitchell's original version, which I've heard before, but not in forever. It's not my favorite kind of music to Mm -hmm. listen to. I mean, she's obviously an awesome musician, an incredible songwriter, singer-songwriter. Her heyday was in the 70s when this came out, and it's like a folksy 70s female, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like the Carpenters, and, you know, they fit into that. I can appreciate that it's not your favorite type of music, but uh-huh. I loved it. I yeah. love this. I love that kind of really folk music kind of uh-huh. sound. Yeah. I mean, I could see it's the kind of music that we would listen to with your parents yes. like 20 years ago. Yeah. You know, when That's... they were in their 60s and we were in our 20s. Uh-huh. And this is the kind of music that we could all agree on, listen to, and it's fine. And uh-huh. everyone agrees. Like it's Joni Mitchell and the Carpenters uh-huh. and Simon and Garfunkel in the 70s, uh-huh. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I don't dislike it. It's just I wouldn't, I can't imagine picking it, picking it to listen to for That's a particular fair. thing unless it was like in a gathering with a bunch of other people. But that doesn't mean I don't respect it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you, I had forgotten that there were lyrics prior to what Prince covers that are wildly, make the song wildly different and almost unrecognizable. And that, that, yeah, that was the only point that I was really going to make was just, you know, the first verse is all about this love that's already over. Mm -hmm. It's probably Leonard Cohen who she was writing about. Yeah. You're talking about Joni's original. Mitchell. Yes. From 1971's album blue. Yes. Prince, you know, focuses more on this second verse, which is about an artist afraid mm-hmm. to make a connection. Yep. Not again, almost not taking like ownership of part of a relationship that's over. Yeah, he just, he wasn't, that wasn't what spoke to him about the song. This song, he resonated with the artist mm-hmm. who's a, afraid to either commit to a person or commit to sharing their emotions so rawly with the world. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, very like non-committal to being involved and more of a just observing things. And that's where I think that the martyrdom that we hear in some of Prince's music in the late nineties, early two thousands comes from, you know, yeah. It used to be this active part of songs and of course this isn't his song but he chose the lyrics that he wanted to cover which are much more observant and i'm afraid of this but i'm drawn to this it's not actually about him doing anything that's true you know what i mean yeah very inactive observation that doesn't mean it's not still pretty and great songwriting but it does position i think that's part of the i've got no fault (laughs) well wall that you can stand behind and the third verse talks about staying with someone even when it's hard and even when you've been injured. Right. That's 
And that's also not something he wanted to do. He was not interested in that part of this. He was not interested in saying, I've made a mistake. Let's work through this. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's very fitting. It is. That Prince would say, no, no, no. Right. (laughs) We're going to, we're going to leave these parts off. Yeah. This is the one that speaks to me, which is. And it does sound, it does sound more like a Prince song when he narrows down the lyrics to this. You know, Joni's song was very personal, like you said, obviously, and addresses, you know, painting or drawing a map of Canada and painting your picture on it, um, which wouldn't have made a lot of sense for Prince to sing. Right. So I appreciate the narrowing down of the lyrics, but again, it's very telling by which (laughs) which parts that he took out and which parts he left in. Yeah. I do love the idea of saying to someone, I could drink a case of you and still be on my feet. I can't get enough of you, mm-hmm. um, which yeah. kind of fit with his lyrics for you're going to see me, mm-hmm. what he wouldn't do to um, just get a piece of your attention, mm-hmm. uh, which is really great. So there's like bass and piano and drums in the outro to the yeah, song, it's really... which I wish would go on a little bit more, actually. Yeah. infuriates me that it fades out <laughs> it's the first song on the album to You're fade like, out it fades there's more there oh. <laughs> yes uh, i just thought it was great playing at the end um, that yeah. i'd like to hear more of and it's very very limited and infuriating for that reason and then after the song fades out there's some odd synthesizers at the end that are like at the three minute and 30 second mark Which are kind of just don't seem to fit to me. Mm. I don't know what the intention was there. But between this song and the next, there's an odd little synthesizer Mm -hmm. area. I also wanted to mention that this track was included on a tribute to Joni Mitchell, which was released in 2007. Mm -hmm. And it's three minutes and 30 seconds in length that doesn't include the synthesizers at the very end. Yes. So if you want to hear this among a collection of other artists covering Joni Mitchell songs, that's where you can do it. Yeah. Great. Then we have Have a Heart. Right. Have a drawn The symbol heart. heart. Yes. <laughs> right. The heart symbol. The heart emoji. That's before right. Before emojis. there were emojis. It's a Prince emoji. Criminally short, I would say. Two minutes and three seconds. Okay. Uh-oh. There might oh. be problems with this song. No. Uh-uh. Coming up. No, there's. <laughs> that no, was I, my first note. Was just that it was criminally you the shortest liked it song a little bit on the longer. album. Well, I know technically it kind of is. We can get to that later, but yeah, I did think it was short. Um, the piano right at the start. Mm-hmm. It. I was like, that sounds like something. It sounds like what a man from Salt and Pepper's oh. 1993. <laughs> So every time I listen to it, I'm like, what a man, what a man. (laughs) You're right. What a guiding man. The the very end of it's a little bit different, but it kind of, that's how the piano sounds. So every time it comes on, that's when I'm like bebopping along until he starts singing. Wow, you totally nailed it. Yes. (laughs) I never made that connection, but you're right. And that was actually a 
reimagine of a song by uh, Linda Lindell from 1968. I kind of heard maybe that little bit of influence right there at the beginning. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you're totally right. Nice call. I think as for Prince's finger-pointing ballads, this Mm -hmm. is probably one of his best, if Mm -hmm. not the best. His finger-pointing is less about blame, although there is blame, but more about have a heart we're all trying. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. But it still sounds to me like a Maite breakup-inspired kiss-off song. A a little bit, because I thought it sounded poetic. Definitely. She's... She said, the smell of you missing me was coming from your pores. She said, the smell of missing me was coming from your pores. Yeah. So, like, if you've been out drinking too much, you you get up the next day, you kind of exude it out your pores. It also happens if you eat a lot of garlic. Yeah. Yeah. Or asparagus. Right. Yeah. (laughs) But it's also cold because... Don't you have to have a heart first before you can get it broken? <laughs> yeah, like, so this is a story ouch. of a friend of a girlfriend saying, hey, you broke her heart so bad that you don't even <laughs> deserve your own heart back. Uh-huh. And his response is, don't you have to have a heart first before you get it broken? Uh-huh. Which is, yeah, pretty ouch. much saying, like, this was a heartless bitch. Uh-huh, <laughs> yeah. Don't you have to have a heart first? I ran it through Google Translate, and that's what I got. <laughs> From how many levels did you go through? Did you change it to like Portuguese and then Chinese and Actually, then I Russian? Went from English and... to Prince finger pointing ballads. Oh, and that's okay. what I got. Oh, I didn't realize that. Uh... Yeah, it's a new feature. Oh, excellent! Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good job, Google. Yep, they're yeah. being very thorough. <laughs> <laughs> but he does admit everyone's felt this way, right? And where he says, so what about the heartbreak? Everyone's had one, see. Mm-hmm. So what about the heartbreak? Everybody's had one, see. It is a little downplaying of one's, someone else's suffering to say <laughs> everyone's going through something. Yeah. But everybody's felt that it's not a complete dismissal <laughs> that you're hurting. <laughs> no. Baby steps. Okay. <laughs> Well, and he kind of does admit fault a little bit. He says, it's my favorite the fault line. of mine goes from L.A. to the streets of NYC. The fault of mine goes from L.A. to the streets of NYC. And then yes, like, he's like, my fault is almost endless, Yeah, is what he's saying. Yeah. Which I thought, not only do I like the way he says it, as like a fault in the earth as wide as the United States of America. However, he follows up with, I'm not crying about payments overdue. But I cry about payments overdue. Which to me is, it's easy to say when you're the ones who probably should be making the payments, uh-huh. or whatever we're saying here, right? I don't know that, um, you know, from 1983 onward that money was ever a problem for Prince or not one that he paid much attention to. Right. Still a great line. Yeah. I, I just thought it was very interesting. Yeah. Even about spilled milk, don't cry over the past. I got some milk, but no drop is spilled over things you put me through. Got some milk, but no drop is spilled over things you put me through. 
I assume that's soy milk. With Captain Crunch. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> yes. So again, there, like you said, the door is open a little bit to a bit of self-realization yeah. of, you know. But he can't help but also right. say, well, you were heartless. Yes. Yeah. While, while I'm busy pointing out some of my own faults, I see you have a scab there. May I please pick at it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's kind of what he's saying. Yeah. Um, I do like the line, can't you see we're all just trying, trying to get this hustle on? Can't you see we're all just trying, trying to get this hustle on? We're all just trying to work and do our best and make a living kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Again, he's including everyone. He's not. His finger is pointing to everyone, not uh-huh. just to one person. He's doing a circle. Right, or maybe he has all four fingers pointed out like the emperor <laughs> striking down Luke Skywalker with lightning coming out of his fingertips. <laughs> oh. So I would say, yes, like you were saying, there's a door opening to an admission of some fault or some degree of responsibility for something that had went wrong. But also there's also a degree of dismissing heartbreak as a common thing for everyone. Yeah. So it's like, in a way, very understanding, and in another way, very dismissive. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So there's this asterisk. It should be, have a heart emoji asterisk. Mm, if you have one. If you have one. And if and I care whether it. you have one. <laughs> yes, and we're all going through the same thing, so yeah. it doesn't really matter. Uh, so <laughs> I love a lot about this song, and I love the way it's sung, and I love uh-huh. that line, the yeah. fault of mine goes from L.A. to the streets of NYC. There are a lot of things that I think about this song that are awesome. Yeah. It leads directly into... Objects in the Mirror. Yes. A sweet yeah. song. Yes. Kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Prince must be paying attention while driving to his side view <laughs> mirrors. <laughs> or while somebody's driving. That's true. Well, yeah. 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 Um, and there's no double entendre in these opening lines. That's my favorite time with you just after we make a movie, the kind that requires the title Parental Advisory. <laughs> the kind that requires the title. I'm like, there's no innuendo. It's just dirty. It is dirty. It's also a little, it's weirded a little wrong to me. It's weirded a little wrong? It's worded a little weirdly. (laughs) That's what I was trying to say. (laughs) You weirded that sentence yourself. (laughs) I can't help how word I am. Okay. One of our other favorite artists that we listen to a lot is Bernhoft, uh-huh. a Norwegian multi-instrumentalist R&B soul guy. He's amazing. Super cool. Y'all. Plays all his own instruments. Jarle Bernhoft. Look him up. Um, but he has a song where like his their newest album called Humanoid, where he makes a statement about the state of the world. And he's, his, he's a very good English speaker. Uh-huh. But... The lyrics are something like, um, I'm not saying that all was better before. Well, maybe I do. Well, I'm not saying that all was better before. Well, well maybe I do. I just like yeah. Which is an odd, it's like, well, maybe I am is really what ought to be saying that. You can see where it might be a struggle for a not native English speaker to kind of figure out. Right. How that works. So here, just after we make a movie, the kind that requires the title parental advisory, I don't think he's going to title his movie that. (laughs) He's going to put a label Label on on it it that says that. 
So this is a very Bernhofty Prince moment for mm-hmm. me that if it had been explained or someone had raised their hand and said, hey, I think you mean labeled, like the title of a movie is Us in Front of the Mirror. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Label. Parental advisory. Wow, Josh has been thinking about what that video might be. I've just been thinking about how the wording of this just has always (laughs) bugged me a little bit. Uh I've spent a minute talking about it, so that's already a bigger issue than it really is in my head. But every time I listen to it, I'm like, that's weird. That's Uh not... Yeah. You're saying it wrong. See, and I find it very charming when Bernhoff does it. Yes. Because it's an unusual way of looking at English that happens with a non-native speaker. Right. And I don't care for her music as much, but the hips don't lie, lady. Shakira? Shakira. She's a native Spanish speaker. So when she writes in English, sometimes she does kind of strange wording as well. But it's very endearing. Okay. This is still endearing. It is. I mean, it's almost like he's writing a note to his lover privately that this is my favorite time when we do this and... Uh-huh. When we've got to put a title on it that's this, but that's just not really what he's saying. It's not titled. Oh, well, I don't know. Anything. Maybe he's titling it. I guess that's true. You could just title you could have a movie <laughs> come out. Advisory. Right. Right. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. It always just struck me as like a little odd wording at the beginning here, especially mm-hmm. because it's such a such an intimate song. Uh-huh. That you seem like, oh, I'm stumbled upon this and I'm hearing Prince and his girlfriend uh-huh. speak to one another. I'm yeah. eavesdropping. They're going to brush their teeth together in the same sink. There's yeah. this level of intimacy that's happening. Yep. Let's brush our teeth in the same sink. Even like the I'm digging you, digging on me, digging on you. Uh-huh. I'm digging you, digging on me. I like yes. the way you're watching me, looking at me, enjoying watching you. It's a very friends kind of thing. I don't know. I know you know that you know. <laughs> yes. Also, you know, you, you spoke earlier about the beginning of this having no innuendo. I think we get to that pretty quickly. Oh, yeah. No, I just meant like the yeah. very beginning didn't yes. have innuendo. Right. Yeah. But I'm Not saying that there wasn't any in the song. No, but we get to one. the innuendo here with, um, you know, we hooked up now. I can try her. I can put my load in the dryer. Uh-huh. I can put my load in the dryer. Though I was like, no woman wants to be called a dryer. Yeah, That's... I don't think he's calling her that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just uh, something they're sharing. Yeah, okay. The same height, weight, and body fluid. We're hooked up now. We can do it. Uh-huh. Some interesting wording there. Yeah. Yeah, hooked up like they're... Uh huh. They're together, I guess. Connected. Because like you hook it's up not, a washer dryer. Oh, oh, okay. Because I was like, well, a hookup's not like a committed relationship, but it That's seems true. like this is a committed relationship. I thought but it was yes, more like it's a, it's still continuing with that. the right. appliance theme. That's I right. get it. I hadn't, That's right. I hadn't made that connection yet. This verse of a Prince song brought to you by LG, <laughs> featuring AutoSense. I think there's some of the best singing on this album when he sings, Been waiting, baby, it's so hard to bear. The objects in the mirror are closer, closer, closer than they appear. Uh-huh. The 
objects in the mirror Super great singing. Yeah. A yeah. plus. Yeah. That's good. And then, you know, but then we get to the end of the lyrics mm-hmm. and there's a reprise of have a heart. Yes. Which makes me happy because I like, I'm going to have a harder time listening to it now that I'm going to be singing TLC to it every time. <laughs> but at a minute and 56 seconds, you, we do get that reprise of the similarity that you were talking about and him vocalizing da 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 uh-huh. you know, kind of singing on, along with it that's really nice yeah it's basically a piano solo and some sense until the end and with that we're going to take a quick break we'll reprise our uh, discussion nice with avalanche right after the break Ooh. all right everyone no matter how big a geek you are has movies that they haven't seen that have other geeks saying, how have you never seen this movie? Well, we're here to help. At the Now You've Seen It podcast, we help you fill those gaps in your geek cred one movie at a time. Each episode, a guest who is watching the movie for the first time joins our rotating cast of hosts and panelists to discuss the movie and compare seeing it through fresh eyes versus seeing it with eyes filtered through the lens of nostalgia. You can find Now You've Seen It on Facebook at facebook.com slash now you've seen it, no apostrophe, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking with us through that quick break. Now we have probably the most controversial song on this album, Avalanche. I would agree. Oh, it's a very fighting. But yeah. And but beautiful delivery. Totally. I mean, really, really beautiful. And I would say thematically from the lyrics, he's not completely wrong, but he's not completely right either. I found it after I started like spending some actual time researching some things after re-listening to the song, it bothered me a whole lot less than when this album came out. Mm. And I, don't, I think it part, partly is because there's more facts at our fingertips today That's than fair. there were when this album came out to go read about some things that might have inspired these lyrics. But I remember listening to this the first time and finding it out of place. Okay. You know, this kind right. of album about love and heartbreak and dreams and infatuation and then you get to a song called Avalanche, which I, which I thought was going to be some kind of, you know, love and, uh, you know, being overtaken by love or buried with obsession over someone. Right. And which is a song I would like to hear. <laughs> Honestly, I would have loved to have heard a song called Avalanche about that. Right. But yeah, like you said, you thought you were done with controversy after listening <laughs> to the Rainbow Children. Um, uh, no. But here we are back to a. 100% piano sounding track. And like mm-hmm. you said, very beautiful, but very jarring lyrics from the outset. He That's... was not or never had been in favor of setting our people free. He was not or never had been in favor of setting our people free. From that, from right off, it doesn't sound like Prince's songwriting style. It doesn't sound like those are words that he would write. He was not 
or never had been in favor of setting our people free. So I went searching for the first time ever to see like, well, where did this come from? And it actually came from Lincoln's own words. Okay. From a ninth. Uh, 19 <laughs> from nope. eight, from an 1858 debate in Illinois between Abraham Lincoln and Stephen Douglas he said for himself I will say then that I am not nor ever have been in favor of bringing about in any way the social and political equality of the white and the black races so this was not the fully developed Abraham Lincoln of history that we know now, to be fair. Right. It was pre-presidential Lincoln who struggled with a lot of these things. I'm sure like any president in the 1800s would have. But it is a piece of history. It is true. It, it is true. And my understanding is that he did not care for slavery. He recognized the humanity of right. African people who were enslaved in the U.S. and that he thought they should be returned to their homeland. Okay. So yeah, yeah, you're right. Return th- to he, another he, country. Nigeria like we can't ag- exist together, but you go your way and we'll go ours. Right. He didn't want to bring them into the voting population of the United States. He didn't right. think that they could live peacefully together, right. and that he thought that they should go back to where they were abducted from that they should be returned to their homeland. Right. Which problematic because a lot of those people had been born and lived in the United States their entire life. Sending them back to a country that they know nothing about is not helpful. It's not a solution, right? It doesn't make any sense, especially like it wasn't like he was going to put him on a cruise liner and send him back either. uh, Probably it wasn't going to be a very comfortable it wasn't going to be a fun uh, trip. They, yeah. Yes, it wasn't going to be a fun separation. No, but that he recognized their humanity, that they were not commodities, mm-hmm. I think is particularly for a man at that time. Okay, that's a little bit admirable. Yep. And Prince mentions the 13th Amendment. Yes. Which Lincoln actually did help get past. He evolved in his mm-hmm. beliefs. Yes about whether these people should be returned or not and how he thought about slavery changed. And I thought that that was something that Prince might have been able to appreciate Um, as somebody with an evolving belief. Maybe he would have been, but I don't know what he was reading. Right. But it wasn't, what he was reading was not untrue. It wasn't a complete framework of the person that we're talking about though. But yes, I agree with you. If anyone you would think could understand change, especially looking back at the previous five years of Prince's life, it would be him. 13th Amendment, by the way, reads, Neither slavery nor involuntary servitude except as a punishment for crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. And like you said, yes, Lincoln came around. Yeah, yeah. he changed. His thoughts evolved. He got new information and he changed his beliefs. Was he perfect? No. Does that make him not racist? No, it doesn't. But is that, I think the other part of this is Prince saying the evolution of Abraham Lincoln isn't what's taught in school. It's where he ended up in his beliefs and his politics that, you know, make him the revered president that we, most of us think of him as. Right. 
but that's not the whole story. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So this is almost an opposite telling of that. Right. Ignoring the person that we know through history books uh-huh. and telling the story of what led him to evolve to who he's recorded as. Right. So it's almost like th- uh, my, my conclusion on this song, well, I mean, it's as fair as any surface level history book that you and I might've been exposed to in school in the second grade. Right. It's at least as fair as that. Yes. And I can really appreciate how this would have an impact on, you know, his family, his culture, the culture of people that he associated with, that he worked with on a daily basis. Right. That if you're reading books from the other perspective, that say Abraham Lincoln wasn't a good guy and wasn't really a friend to African people, then okay. Yeah, that's, that's fair, Mm -hmm. but it's not a complete picture. So, but I can appreciate that that was his feeling on it. At least at this time, this that makes it a very interesting sort of like thought experiment. Where was Prince at during this time that he wrote this song that he had some anger about it and, Uh Yeah, which probably his circle of friends at the time mm-hmm. talked to him about. Yeah. And I'm going to link, there's a really interesting post on Prince.org from Purple Rabbit Hole that uh, talks a lot about this. Somebody who's done quite a bit of study about Abraham Lincoln talking about what Prince got right and maybe where he was maybe either intentionally ignoring it or just unaware or misled mm-hmm. uh, about this whole uh, point of history is really good. So I'll, I'll put cool. a link to that because it's worth reading her thoughts on it. Yeah. I almost tried to compartmentalize in my head. Well, what were we taught as children about Abraham Lincoln? Put a firewall around that. And this is almost the response to that with the same firewall around it. And uh-huh. Both firewalls ignore where they overlap yeah. and where there are commonalities. Like the Venn diagrams, yes. just the circles without to- <laughs> them like overlapping <laughs> yes. because there is a point where they overlap. Right. Yeah. Second verse repeats the same lyric. He was not or never had been in favor of letting us vote. So you see, and then the most biting part of it all, Abraham Lincoln was a racist who said you cannot escape from history. Abraham Lincoln was a racist. Oh, yes, sir. Who said you cannot escape from history. So I thought, okay, well, what? first of all, it does say was. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, well, I mean, you wouldn't say is anyway because the man is no longer alive, obviously. So it could be, could be pointing at a part of his life when he was not convinced that black and white people can live together peacefully, which I would say is partly a definition of racism. Okay. I can't really argue with that. Right. And so Abraham Lincoln was a racist who said, you cannot escape from history. I thought, well, if that's got to be from somewhere, right? Did he really say that? Yeah, he did. Well, he said, we, Mm -hmm. not you. Prince says, you cannot escape from history. That's true. And Abraham Lincoln was saying, we can't escape from history. What we're doing right now matters, and we're yeah. going to be judged on it yes. fairly or unfairly. Yes. Which is exactly what's happening. 
You are correct. Yeah. I'm going to read the first part of a December 1, 1862 address that um, was given. State of the Union. Yes, State mm-hmm. of the Union to Congress. Abraham Lincoln said, fellow citizens, we cannot escape history. We of this Congress and this administration will be remembered in spite of ourselves. No personal significance or insignificance can spare one or another of us. So it was almost a, yes, he said, you, we cannot escape history, but it was a plead for coming together, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't a a statement of, you can't escape history because we've always had slavery and we're going to continue doing it. He's saying, we stand now at the precipice of making a decision that will be remembered for forever, despite who each of us are as individuals. Yes, so that was a little twisted to me yeah. in the lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. I a agree. little out of context. Yeah. Yeah, he said it, but <laughs> <that's>... <laughs> he wasn't he wasn't using it as a litmus test to be able to uphold or absolve them right. from any issues that they had had. I put it in my head like if I was writing a song about Prince that he didn't like mothers of children. In fact, at one point he said, you got to rock this mother. <laughs> well, yeah, he said that <laughs> in a song called Housequake, but that's not quite exactly what he meant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So, so then we have this, uh, this next port part that mentions a man named John Hammond. Right. That lurking in the shadow Who is it? Mr. John Hammond With his pen and so I went looking up who John Hammond was, and he was a record producer okay. like in the 1930s. Right. And Prince is kind of saying he's seeking out black artists in order to exploit them. Right. And my understanding, what I read, was not really so much i'm sure prince saw it that way because that he was treating black artists as he treated any artist Mm -hmm. and prince found that to be exploitative sure and my understanding is that he had actually a very good relationship with a number of african-american people so john hammond grew up in a wealthy household and the people who worked in his house were black Mm -hmm. and he actually spent a lot of time with those people and found that he really appreciated their music and their culture that kind of surrounded all of that and that's kind of what made him want to be involved in music i couldn't find anything that said that he specifically sought out black artists to Mm -hmm. uh, exploit them in any way it was the way the record industry worked yeah all artists were exploited but and that goes back to our series on 1994 1995 slave on his face Mm -hmm. um this is going back to a feeling that prince had had about the record industry dating back six seven years from when this song was recorded too so he's obviously comparing slavery and history in the first part of the song with slavery and giving up your rights to ownership of your music in the second part of the song. Yes. And I think Um, that's actually what it was. But I also really appreciated that he mentions Wounded Knee. Yeah. Yeah. 
former slaves weren't the only people who had yep. a corner on the market of being marginalized. Right. Uh, this is so a Native the, American story. Yeah, the yeah. indigenous peoples were also exploited and treated horribly. Yep. So I appreciate totally. that he brought that. Yeah, there is a good, I mean, obviously when you write a song, there's only so much you can say. And when you look at lyrics, they look like a poem. And you've got, what, 20, 30 lines of song lyrics here mm-hmm. that delve into very deep subjects that almost require a much larger discussion. So there's only so much he could say. Whether he said it right or said it wrong, I guess, is uh, can be discussed forever. But there was some exploration here, and I think a fairly intelligent one Right. that's going on, I think, is very respectful. And I do like the term of, you know, when he's talking about John Hammond signing these artists, sign your name, he claims innocence, just like every snowflake in an avalanche. So you sign your name, he claims innocence, just like every snowflake in an avalanche. Oh, I- the only place where Avalanche is mentioned in the song actually is in this one line that sounds kind of like a throw off, but it's like every tiny piece of a problem says, I'm not the problem, I'm not the problem, but collectively it's, it's this the problem. giant, huge, unstoppable dangerous force. force, yes, coming down a mountain, which I thought was really kind of brilliant songwriting. Mm-hmm. And that last line, nobody wants to take the weight, the responsibility is mm-hmm. a. Lincoln line also. Yeah. I'm going to give you a link to share on our Facebook page from history.com. Five things you may not know about Lincoln, slavery, and emancipation. There's five paragraphs, five bullet points that kind of cover Lincoln's initial thoughts on slavery and being or not being an abolitionist and how his thoughts kind of changed and then formed into what we know him as um, for throughout history. Mm-hmm. Um, so look for that there. There are actual lines on this page from history.com that are lyrics in this song. That's very cool. Yeah. Very and cool. obviously Princeton looked that up to write the song because uh, no. that was not there no. in 2001. Speaking of songs that are poems, Pearls yeah. Before the Swine. Right. No chorus. This is just, it's a poem. And no chorus in Avalanche either. I the, guess like a snow coming down the mountain. Uh, the wounded the, he, knee. he does repeat that twice, he, right? Uh, and he says the wounded knee portion a couple yeah. times. Yeah. yeah. So I guess that's technically a chorus. You're yeah. right. But this song, you're right. Chorusless. Chorusless. And not just piano, but we've got guitar, percussion, synths, pads, sound effects going Uh on here so i think it fits into the album just fine but it definitely breaks out of the category that the title of the album you know kind of paints itself into a corner it's more than piano and voice yes this is a biblical reference this the title of the song to matthew 7 6 i looked it up in the the new world translation which is where prince probably would have read it because it's What's used by Jehovah's Witnesses. Okay. Do not give what is holy to dogs, nor throw your pearls before the swine, so that they may never trample them under their feet and turn around and rip you open. Nice. Yeah. So I looked up the King James version of it just to compare. Uh Uh-huh. And it reads, 
Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. Uh-huh. And then I thought, well, let me let me look it up in uh, like the New Living Translation, which <laughs> would be like a something more, more like contemporary yeah. and written in you know modern English. modern English. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. So it makes no mention of dogs. Mm-hmm. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls, then turn and attack you. Mm. So I think yeah. that helps with an understanding of pearls before swine. Sure. The, all three of those. I think right. you get the picture. He wants to make sure that whomever pushes him out of his place, out of his home, make sure they take care of the innocent doves. If I did, would you remember to feed the dove and clean the <laughs> That's true. They are lending background singing voices that's, to that's artists right. recording They're an there, integral part of this all. album. Right. I thought, you know, there were some folks online who thought this was written to Maite as another kiss-off, which I disagree with. Oh, uh, Okay. I'm of the thinking that this is written to fans who had a negative reaction to the Rainbow Children at a listening session in 2001. Okay. To me, that's what he's saying here. This is written to folks like you and me who might have traveled there and listened to what he thought was a great piece of work and had surprising reactions in his mind to what was said and what was thought. Right. Hmm. Okay. Well, I I have thoughts about why I think it's a multi-layered thing. I think it's that. I also think it is a kiss-off song to Maite. Okay, it could be both. I think that would be very Prince-like to write a song that's obviously about one thing, and then in his mind and in someone who was close to him or or at one time had been close to him would hurt deeply. Yes, and I I, kind of think that that's... That's where we're at. So, well, I'll just go ahead and talk about that part. Go now. for it. So, at a minute and 53, Prince says something in the background that's a little hard to hear. Okay. And he says, Define Valentine. Hmm. I've not heard that. Yeah. At okay. a minute 53, it's kind of buried, and I've listened to it a bunch of times to make sure that I heard it correctly, but it's Define Valentine. And I think that, to me, is what points to it being Mm. a kiss-off song to Maite because they are married on Valentine's Day. And so he's like, yeah, Define Valentine. You you know, I said you were my Valentine. You said I was your Valentine. Yeah, go ahead and define that because I don't feel like that's how I was treated. Very cool. That's something I have not heard mm. before. Yes. So I, I agree that it's definitely fans who went to celebrations were frustrated with him. People at listening sessions, hearing the Rainbow Children, not having the reaction that he mm-hmm. expected, that he desired. But right. And I think it works both of those ways for yeah. sure. Well, again, this is a absolving of all responsibility kind of song. Uh I left my front door open. I provided for you and invited you into my home. You came here and slandered my name. You came here and you probably wouldn't even remember to know to do the basic things like clean clean their cage. I'm going to offer you food, baklava, 
or baklava, <laughs> as it's sung, or a bagel with cream cheese. Can I offer you baklava? then i think it's the a very prince like peaceful like why can't we just hold hands which is a very sweet thing will we say grace to our father holding hands down on our knees mm-hmm. will we say grace to our father holding hands down on our knees like I, he wants to be a part of that yes right well and i think that's what points to Maite as well was why couldn't you be a part of my religious transformation? Yeah. There's a part of the song that we're getting to here that makes it sound more personal. Are we better off just fighting you on your side, me on mine, or are the words that I keep writing only pearls before the swine? Like, are we better off just fighting you on your side, me on relationship inspires me to write lyrics to songs and record music but it's music that i probably just going to shelve because if i release it to the public right they're just going to trample it right that's super fair mm-hmm. yes and i think it definitely works on both levels uh, why shouldn't we count in front of children and never count in front of the children as they die of I think this goes back to Prince's theory at this time that time's a trick. If we don't count our age, we will not age. If we are unaware of our time on earth, then we will live longer. Oh, and it just occurred to me he was talking about the rainbow children, not necessarily literal children. Right. That's what I think. Just clicked. All right. Yeah. This is a beautiful song. Oh, yes. I love listening to it. I think you can get past some of these things that he's, you know, pretty easily singing about. It's ancient history now, right? Beautifully played, beautifully sung. Yeah. Lots of things to, I mean, you're pointing out something that I haven't heard and I've been listening to this song forever. Yeah. So I'm anxious to go back and (laughs) listen to it. And then also like how he wraps it up at the end, like despite all of this, I'm going to keep writing melodies that are just they're gonna stick in your head forever sorry i'm that good and you're gonna listen to it Uh right you're not in a position to not listen to me as prince but if nothing else you've taught me one thing never cast your pearls before the swine Mm -hmm. so it's like if there's one thing i'm taking away from this it's if i write music that i feel is at an extremely high level i reserve the right to keep it to myself Mm mm-hmm yeah. Which we know is something that he did. Yeah. So there's truth in this too. Yeah. Very cool. All right. And then we have Young and Beautiful. Starts with a tinkling piano and yeah. some flute. Flute. Yep. Yeah. So not just piano and voice. Not ju- uh, did they label this solo voice and piano? They yeah. sure did. They did. Oh my God. <laughs> it almost had like an Asian sound to it to me too. It was a very pretty. Yes. Very like, like simple and clean and pretty and but interesting. Yes, almost theatrical, I yeah. thought too. Something that you might hear in a Broadway play. Mm. 
yeah. You know, and interesting lyrics yeah. again too. I think we've moved out of the controversial stage of the album, <laughs> yeah, and into like this pretty ending. So to me, this song is probably the prettiest instrumental opening on mm-hmm. any track on the album. Lots I of agree. piano and you know, plenty of sound effects, like you said, but. A song that again has double meaning. He could he could just be singing it to an individual person. He also could be singing it to young artists everywhere. This was a time where, remember, he was on Jay Leno a few times during this period, and Jay asked him about the contract that Mariah Carey uh, just signed, yeah. and Prince broke it down into, you know, how much does she make per album. Sounds like Mariah got screwed. Uh-huh. I remember him yeah. saying that. And this is almost a song about, I don't know, kind of combining saving yourself sexually and own your own work as an artist yeah. into one pretty song. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and you don't have to do what the others do. Right. You don't have to do what the others do. So cool. I think is it works for sexual situation it works for musical artists it works for anybody yeah really you can be your own person and do things differently just because everybody else is doing it this way doesn't mean you have to do it this way right i I really appreciate that Me too and you can find success doing it your Mm -hmm. way also which i mean also easy to sing when you've done it and prince had done it at this point right he had overcome what he felt was unfair unfairness in the music industry he was an independent artist he's in the middle of doing whatever he wanted this album as a i'm doing this because i want to he probably couldn't have done this as a warner brothers artist right Right. been very difficult right so it all makes sense yes there's really nice plucky guitar yep That was really pretty and interesting. Yeah, even an instrumental part from two minutes and five seconds to two minutes and 20 seconds. That might be part of what you're referring to and him singing ooh-wee-oo in the background. Really nicely arranged. Yes. And I guess the the game that allows you to remain young and beautiful that he mentions. Yeah. So young and beautiful. I'm hearing you to the game, dog. So that you always remain young and beautiful. Following your own way. Yep. And that's how you remain young and beautiful. Not that you're literally young and beautiful, that you're yeah. young and beautiful because you've retained your youthful innocence yes. because you didn't fall into the traps. You're not jaded by the music industry. Yeah. And I think this also is a little bit of what Prince was hearing at the time too, that he still looked the way he did 20 years prior, yeah. you know, in 1982. Oh yeah. Everybody kept saying, every, yeah, you know, you're like, ageless. You, yeah. Or, well, what you have had some work done obviously because you look like you haven't aged. Right. Yeah. Which, and he was like, no, I'm, I live good. Yes. <laughs> I'm a vegetarian and right. Yeah. So that was kind of the, you know, overcoming his demons, which was more business related and mm-hmm. what was important to him regarding owning his work. He had, started to overcome and that's what gave him a youthful spirit. Right. I just liked how many levels this one worked on. Me too. I think it's got zero problems with any of the song. Yeah. Give it to me all day. Yeah. 
same here. Then we have the the beautiful final song, Arboretum, an instrumental. Right. Yes. I think there's some like clicky noises kind of near the beginning. And I'm wondering if that's the doves singing modified. That's what I thought okay. was the singing portion. It kind of sounded okay. like it could have been altered, modified recordings of the doves cooing. Another thing I will need to go back and listen to. It's mm. so like you said, this is like our favorite thing to cover on the podcast. Instrumentals. <laughs> I know you love it. Um, I just thought it was, first of all, very pretty song. Yeah. Uh, shorter than the track time would indicate it's three minutes and 26 seconds but it's really two minutes and 16 seconds of music mm-hmm. and uh we know that chan hassan has a landscape arboretum there and there are photos of prince visiting it during the rave era mm-hmm. that would seem to be kind of an inspiration for writing the song just being in nature and at peace with it all um, it's like a four minute car ride from paisley park and just for the sake of it being prince i looked up on Google Maps, it's a 17-minute bike ride. No, so okay. he could have easily done that. Yeah. And it's basically the local botanical garden. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. Well, we say that this is an instrumental track, but I think at a minute and 27 seconds, there are some vocals in this mix. Mm. A little bit. All right. Well, pull them out because yeah. I have not heard it. Okay. On the Arboretum's website, they have a area dedicated to their friend Prince. He was a prince. No. He was a friend of, the, mm-hmm. of theirs, and they've got areas dedicated to him and plants or trees dedicated to him. I don't know if it's the same thing you're talking about, but at a minute and fifty-eight seconds, we've got the same metal fluttering sound as at the beginning of the at, at the end of the opening track, "One Night Alone." Mm-hmm. But I thought tied everything together. This was like, you know, same kind of sound effect used at the beginning is here at the end. And like you said, we can hear Prince get up and yeah. walk away, like get up from the piano, walk away and close a door at the very end of this. Mm-hmm. Which I picture being... Like that atrium area yeah. in Paisley Park, which made me think it might have been recorded there. Yeah. He just get up and walks out, and then we have like a minute and nine seconds of silence. Exactly. I think because he just wanted you to sit in silence oh. thinking about this. That's like, a great explanation. This is, how you, this is how you end. You've gotten to the end of this, and I've gotten up and left, and I want you to sit here and think about it. Very nice. I had, not, I had not thought about it that mm. way. I had just written down, you know, I'm left with an inexplic- inexplicable minute and nine seconds of silence. Oh. But that explains it. Like, I've made this pretty thing for you. Why don't you take a moment before yeah, you stop the record? Yeah, yeah, before you move a, on to a your next thing. minute of reflection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really think. I can right. get behind that. We make some selections and we've 
finish the album. So we're going to go ahead and do that. We choose three things. We choose a time capsule, something that exemplifies the time at which the material was recorded or when it was released. We choose a C, the thing that we liked the least. We choose a mountain, the high point for us. We each make a selection for each one of these categories. And these are my rules. So I go first. My time capsule is Pearls Before the Swine, only because it's the one I remember hearing the most. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's a very personal time capsule because this is the one I was like, I don't really care what it's about. I don't care if he's mad at the fans. I don't care if it's about Maite. It's a good song, and I you like enjoy- it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It does sound like we've got two albums that kind of in his career that could be sisters, like this okay. album... And The Truth, the acoustic album. Yeah. To me, you could put in a little category of sister albums separated by, you know, however long, six years. Mm -hmm. The Truth came first Mm -hmm. and this came next. So, but that's the one song. It's the one song to me that sounds like it might not belong on the album. Oh. It's not as stripped down and simple and reflective as the rest of the songs, uh, despite the lyrics, which do that. But cool selection. For my, my time capsule, I've got to go with the one lyric, and you're going to see me, which you mentioned when we talked about the song, which is, uh-huh. give me a page on my two-way. <laughs> yep. I'll hit you back with no delay. I don't know of anyone aged 30 or younger who would know what a two-way is today. <laughs> yeah. So here we are only, uh, I mean, it's not like a short period of time, but since 2002 when this album came out to now, and we have flushed the thought of a two-way pager out of our vernacular probably by 10 years yeah yeah at least yeah it was aging when it came out on mpl sound yeah oh yeah big time yeah because texting was a thing then you could text with a flip phone right yeah it took forever but you could do it (laughs) you could do it all right the c the thing that we like the least now i didn't really feel like there were any songs that i needed to skip It's a fairly short album. They all kind of have a very pleasant, cohesive sound. I didn't feel like there were any I needed to skip. But Here on Earth is going to be my C, only because of the whole, well, I wasn't really that bad. It wasn't abusive because I didn't hit anybody Uh sort of situation. I'm not surprised after (laughs) hearing you talk about it today that that's your C. I actually agree with you. Oh, okay. My C, I thought, again, I'll repeat, I think this whole thing is very enjoyable. Even Avalanche, if you have an issue with the lyrics, the singing, the piano are all superb. And, you know, you have to at least give credit where credit's due for doing a little bit of research and wanting to tell, well, this is what I was taught and this is what I now know that surprises me. And because I think Prince was very in the moment kind of person mm-hmm. probably when he discovered this stuff he was like holy crap i have to write a song about this it yeah. upsets me because this was never told to me and overstating the truth or maybe poorly framing some of lincoln's own words kind of happened out of his own passion and being in the moment right and um, I can appreciate that passion mm-hmm. um, for what he thinks he's sharing. Yeah, he's trying to shed light on more truth. Right. But in doing so, he's omitting the truth we already know. Right. Yeah. That it's, they don't have to be 
exclusive of one another. That right. together is what makes the whole story. Right. Um, so even if that was borderline on my yeah. C selection, but I went with Here on Earth and not because of what you saw in the finger pointing uh-huh. or at least I'm not that bad kind of interpretation of it. For me, it seemed more like noodling than a finished song and lots, oh. lots of speak singing. So of right. all of the complete thoughts that I thought were on this album, this one song seemed less finished mm-hmm. to That's me. That's fair. At least thematically. Okay. And then the mountain, the one song that I had absolutely no issues with uh-huh. at all, Young and Beautiful, oh. the one that had lyrics. Because I okay. didn't have any issues with Arboretum either. But. Right, but you couldn't pick it as your mountain? <laughs> yeah, well, and I, d- I really enjoyed Young and Beautiful. It, yeah. had a, it was light uh-huh. and happy. Uplifting. Uplifting, had a message I could get behind, nothing frustrating about it in even the smallest way. Very cool. Yeah. I think that's a great description of the song. It's just a pretty little thing. Yeah. It's young and beautiful. It is still today. (laughs) (laughs) For me, I love, love, love the original version of you're going to see me Uh on this. Um, And I like the version from MPL sound too, but I went back to have a heart and even at melding into objects in the mirror and back into have a heart again. um, I thought the, crack in the door of admission of a little responsibility mm-hmm. was nice and i also love the lyric the fault of mine goes from la to the streets of nyc i thought was i don't know kind of an opening that we hadn't seen before yeah that's great and i did not hear it as the uh the tlc song until <laughs> today <laughs> thank you yes <laughs> i love it when i can point out things that josh doesn't know <laughs> or didn't hear right as our friend Chambers Stevens, hi Chambers, likes to say, Josh has the best ears in the biz. I don't know about that. That's very (laughs) kind. That's very kind. So tell us what we're going to listen to next next. time. um, We are going to start listening to One Night Alone Live, the three disc live set that incorporated two discs of a compilation of various concert stops Mm -hmm. and then a third disc of an after show. I think we're going to need to split it up and do a disc per episode. Oh, I we're think We're going to be so. kind to ourselves and others. Yes. Uh, so we'll tackle disc one from One Night Alone Live next time. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. We know that you make a choice when you listen to us. We don't just come on the radio and we really, really appreciate it. If you can rate and review, that helps people find us. If you can give us five stars, fantastic. If you can't, let us know why. Tell a friend because it's way more fun when you can talk about it with a friend. And until next time, happy purple listening. Thank you for listening.